Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. Isaiah 66, 1. So says Jehovah, heaven is my throne, and the earth, all of it, is my footstool. Where then is my house that you build for me? And where is the place of my rest? If the earth is his footstool, how can it be only for in the land that we keep the sabbatical years? It's for everywhere. So I'm not done with that argument yet. I even go to the Jerusalem Talmud or the Babylonian Talmud. And here we have the rabbis arguing, discussing about this battle in Jubilee years and what they're going to do with it. And they conclude that it must be kept outside of Palestine. This is the Babylonian Talmud. It must be kept outside Palestine. So there goes that argument. Poof. Out it goes. It's done. It's to be kept everywhere by everybody. It's a commandment of Jehovah. It's part of the marriage contract that we have agreed to keep at Mount Sinai. So next question. How do we know when the sabbatical and jubilee years are? How can we prove that? I've just mentioned to you in Leviticus 25 two, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall observe a Sabbath to you. I'm saying that that's a jubilee year. So, how do we prove this? Well, we've got to do some math and add things up and do the chronology in Genesis to get to this point. This is when they cross over the Jordan. But this here is a huge clue as to when a jubilee year is. And it's the first jubilee, I believe, is mentioned in the Bible. So if we do all the chronology and we do it correctly, we should arrive at this year, the first year, being a jubilee year. And if that's right, then this proves that the 50th year is also the first year. It's one of those extra proofs. So let's start undoing that. So in the back of the prophecies of Abraham, you've got your chronology charts, but in case those of you at home don't have that, we're going to do the math for you. We're going to take you through the chronology, and we're going to show you this stuff step by step, and I'm going to show you where most people make their mistakes. It's really, really, really simple. Believe me, it's simple. And I know some of you are sitting there, no, it's not, it's math. But if you have the charts, it's even simpler. So from the creation account, we have Adam, and we have it all the way up to the time of Abraham, and all you have to add up is the number of years from one child being born to the next, and I get a total of 1,948 years. So there's all the years. When Adam was 130, he gave birth to Seth. When Seth was 105, he gave birth to Enosh. And all the way down, Canaan, Mihalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and then Noah. Noah was born in the year 1056 from the creation of Adam. Nobody disagrees with that. Everyone knows when the flood took place, 1656 after the creation. There's not any disputes on this 
part of the chronology thus far. So here's where the first problem comes that some people get tripped up. Now Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So the year of the flood is 1656. Again, everyone agrees with that. What they miss or misunderstand is because in chapter Genesis chapter 5, verse 32, it says that all the sons of Noah were 500 years, or they were born when he was 500 years old. So they say that Shem was born when he was 500 years old. But they missed this verse in chapter 11, verse 10, because it says that Arphaxad was born two years after the flood. Two years after the flood, when Shem was 100. So now you've got to do that math, and then you keep that in mind with Genesis 5.32, that that is just a general statement that Noah was about 500 years old when he had his kids. But Shem was born when Noah was 502. It's a generalized statement here. When you get to the next, when you get to uh, chapter 11, it's more specific, and that's the one you have to use. You can't just discard it. So that's where some people get tripped up. So now we have Noah was 502 years old when Shem was born. Shem is 100 when Arphaxa was born. 35 for Selah, 30 for Eber, 34 for Peleg, 30 for Ruah, 32 for Serdog, Nahor was 29, and Terah was 70. Whoops. People are going to say, no, no, Terah wasn't 70. Okay. But up until Terah, other than this one little problem with, with Noah being 502, everyone understands that. So check that out. And let's keep going. Terah was 70, I say. Now I say that because I've done all the homework. I've done all the different possibilities. Some people say Terah was 130. Let's say you're right. Let's prove it. Prove it. Prove all things. So if Terah was 130, like some people say, then let's do the chronology. And I do it in the book, the uh, sabbatical jubilee years, remembering the sabbatical jubilee years. I do it with Terra being 130, and I do the math for you. I do the math for you, because I know some of you are challenged by that. And I also do the math for Terra being 70. And we do two charts. And we see, because the, the proof is in the pudding, the proof is in the pudding, that proof will be in the pudding when we get to the promised land. And when we get to the promised land, then we have to see that that adds up to be 20, uh, well, a jubilee year. So when you add up all of this, then we know that Abraham was born in the year 1948 after the creation of Adam. In the book of Jasher, this is one of the little proofs that backs up my position, it says that Terah was 70 years old when he gave birth to Abraham. But that's not good enough. We've got to prove this. So I do the charts for you in the book. And if you haven't got a book, take one. If you can pay for it, today's the Sabbath. You're not paying for it today. If you can pay for it, great. If not, then take it. Don't leave here without it if you'd like to learn more about the sabbatical and jubilee years. So we got the two lists coming down. I'm going to just work on the one so I don't confuse you. It's in the book if you want to double check because those numbers don't work. Now, we have a problem. When we get to the middle of Genesis, we don't really have an exact easy-to-follow chronology. We have Abram leaving Haran when he was 75 years old in chapter 12. We don't have any dates for the rest of these chapters until chapter 17 when we're told Abram is 99 
and Ishmael is 13. So by doing the math, we can know that if you take 13 away from 99, that'll give you 86. You give one year for the pregnancy of uh, Hagar, and that'll give you the year 85. So we have 85 on one side and 75 on the other, and we know that the covenant was made with Jehovah in between here at some point. So what I do in the book for you, again, just for you, just for some of you, I go through every possible combination. There's 10 years there, and one of the, we got to use one of them because we need to know when the covenant was made to go 430 years to the Exodus. So we got to know when the covenant was made. So I do every year for you because you needed to see that. Now, because I already figured it out, and, and when I first did, I just said, split the mill, take it in the mill, let's take a shot in the mill, see how close we are. So I chose 80. And when I did it with 80, I'm just checking. I'm not sure if I got the right number yet. Maybe it was 82, maybe it's 83, I don't know. But I just picked 80, and I said, let's go forward and see what happens. We're also given another clue in Genesis 15, 13. We are given the clue that his children, his descendants, Abram's children, Abram's descendants, will be mistreated in a country not their own for 400 years. And the 400 years and the 430 years both conclude at the Exodus. Okay, so now you've got to get a little more precise here in our account because this, his descendants must match up with Abraham and they both got to equal the same amount at the Exodus. All we're doing is adding and subtracting. So Isaac was born when Abram was 100. This year that Abram was, or that Isaac was born, because Abram was born in 1948, Isaac was born in 2048 after the creation of Adam. So we're given this clue, another clue here in Genesis 21. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abram made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abram, mocking. Now this, I believe, is very watered down or polite. What happened here is Isaac is now having what I say is the first bar mitzvah. I'm saying this took place when he was 10. And you're saying, whoa, he can't be 10. He's being weaned off. Well, that doesn't mean he was on her breast for 10 years. What that means is he's now coming of age where he can accept the truth and has to be responsible for it. He is now a responsible adult, and now he must be responsible for his actions. And that's what a bar mitzvah is. It's a change from a child to adult who's now going to be responsible. But Ishmael never had that. We don't read that he ever had one. So he's mocking. Now, when you go and look at some of the other stories about this, it says in the legend uh, and other books, it says that Ishmael was standing with a knife ready to kill Isaac. That's when Sarah saw him. It also says that Ishmael and Isaac were out in the field playing catch. Ishmael was shooting arrows. He's the hunter. And Isaac was playing catch. Right? The Bible doesn't say that, but these are stories, outside stories. And that's why Sarah had them put out. 
So we now have Abraham born, and I'm just going with this one theory for so far. You can prove, try all the other ones you want. Abraham was born in 1948. He was 80 years old when he made the covenant, with, or when Jehovah made the covenant with him. And 430 years later to the Exodus gives you a total of 2,458 years from the creation of Adam to the Exodus. Then Isaac is born 100 years after Abraham, 2048. He's 10 years old when the mistreatment begins. And 400 years later is the Exodus. And it does work out, 2458. So we got two things that are matching. Okay, we still have to get to when they enter the promised land. So right here is the Exodus. We got two of those. They both match. So now what most people would do next is they would add 40 years onto that. There's 40 years wandering in the wilderness. But there's a mistake here. And this is where people start to get a little dicey. Joe, Numbers 10, verse 11. And it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month, in the second year, this is the second year after the exodus, that the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle of the testimony. And that's when they went to the wilderness of Paran, and that's when they sent out the 12 spies, and that's when they came back with the evil report, and then that is when the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness began. The proof is in the pudding. So 2458 from the creation of Adam until the exodus, plus two years from the arrival at Mount Sinai until the curse in the wilderness of Paran, plus the 40 years of wandering in the, in the land, and that totals 2,500 years from the creation of Adam until the first year when they enter the promised land. Okay, so now you've got to do some math. And this is going to get a little dicey, depending on which way you want to do it. But I'm telling you, and we're going to show you in a couple minutes, that a jubilee cycle is 49 years, and the 50th year is also the first year. So you're counting by 49s. You're not counting by 50s. So let's take the 2,500. When you divide that by 49 or multiply 51 times 49, you'll get 2,499. 2,499 is the 49th year. That means that the year 2,500 is the first year and a jubilee year. Therefore, what I'm saying is correct. Ah, oh, but Joe, but Joe, the year 2,500, you can divide that by 50, so that also works. Okay, I'll give you half a mark for that. We're going to prove that wrong in a bit. But let's just say you're right. Let's just say you're right. Hold that thought. So now, using the 50-year count and the 49-year count, we have the year 2,500 as the year that they enter the promised land, and it works for both counts technically because 51 jubilees times 49 gives you 2499 and the following year the 50th year would be the year 2500 so then it, when it says in Leviticus 25 2 speak to the sons of Israel and say to them when you come into the land which I give you then the land shall keep a Sabbath to Jehovah you shall sow your fields so there's your clue it's a jubilee year 
So now we've proven this to be correct by just doing the math, adding up the chronology in Genesis. We've now proven this Leviticus 25.2 to be a jubilee year. Okay. So now we have to find out, do we count by 50s, because that also worked, or do we count by 49s, because that also worked. They both worked from this. Okay, let's start figuring this stuff out. So how to count a sabbatical and jubilee year. Each year, we have an annual reminder of how to count the sabbatical and jubilee years. It's called Shavuot. On the day... In Leviticus 23.10, speak to the children of Israel and you shall say to them, when you come into the land which I give you and shall reap its harvest, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. So if you don't have first fruits, if you don't have the barley, you can't do this. It's first fruits. It's not last fruits. Because if you don't get the barley right at the beginning and you wait a few more days or weeks, it bends over and it drops its seeds and then all you got is empty husks. And you're not going to give Jehovah the last of the crop. It's your first fruit. So it's important to determine when the barley is ripe. And that's why we use the barley to determine when the first month is going to begin. Because if you don't have barley, you can't do this commandment. And like I showed you before, the barley represents the first wave offering of the saints being raised up from the dead. This is an important feast. Leviticus 23.10 And he shall wave the sheaf before Jehovah for your acceptance on the morrow, on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. That's the weekly Sabbath. Look up the word Sabbath here. It's 76.76. Sabbath, weekly Sabbath. If it was a high holy day, that would be 76, 77, a Sabbaton. So this is the week, day after the weekly Sabbath, and that is the first day of the week. And from the morrow, after that weekly Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, you shall count for yourselves seven completed Sabbaths. Now, I like to do this with a demonstration with a seven-year-old because I know all the adults have trouble counting to seven. And a child can do this and not have any problem at all. They are unencumbered with a whole bunch of other stuff that's been filling up their brains like yours have all these years. So, verse 16. Until the morrow after the seventh Sabbath. So the day after the seventh Sabbath is the first day of the week. And that first day of the week is the 50th day. Until the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, you count 50 days. Then you shall bring a new grain offering to Jehovah. That's the wheat offering. That's Shavuot. That's Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's the first day of the week. The wave offering of barley is made on the Sunday during the Days of Unleavened Bread. The second wave offering of two leavened loaves is then made 50 days later and is called Shavuot. And it, too, is on a Sunday, the first day of the week. Remember when we did the comparison back in uh, Exodus 23, I believe it was? Seven days the Sabbath. Seven days the Sabbath. Every seven days. There is no eighth day here and going into a, like going 50, then one. 
49, 50, 1. That's not what's going on here. It goes 49, 50, and 1 at the same time because then the next day is the second day. The seventh day Sabbath continues to be seven days apart. Now we go to Leviticus 25 about the Sabbath and Jubilee years. So we're comparing them one to the other. They're just exactly the same thing. So Leviticus 23, there it is. For the, the Pentecost, Shavuot, now for the Jubilee cycle, here it is. And you, Leviticus 25, 8, you shall number seven Sabbaths of years to you, seven times, seven years. And the time of seven Sabbaths of years shall be 49. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the fiftieth year. It doesn't say that, but that's what it's saying. On the day of atonement, the trumpet shall sound throughout all your land. So the 49th year is over. We are now into the 50th year, which is also the first year. Just the same as it is in Leviticus 20, uh, 23. And you shall make the 50th year holy one year, one full year, and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee to you, and you shall return each man to his possession. You have 50 days for Pentecost. On the 50th day is Pentecost. After the seventh Sabbath. You have 49 days, 49 years for the sabbatical years. And on the 50th year, the same as Pentecost, you have the 50th year, and that's the first year also. Now that I got you totally confused, because I'm all messed up up here thinking about it, we got to go to some numbers. When you count the weekly Sabbath the same way we count the sabbatical years, you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Kids, tell your parents how to do this. The Sabbath day and the sabbatical year are identical. We showed you that in Exodus. So when we do this, we count seven sabbatical years, seven sabbatical or weekly Sabbaths to get to 49. It's the same. Leviticus 23 and 25 are the same. Seven, that's the first week. That's the first seven years. Seven, that's the second week. The second seven years. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, a total of 49. Okay, everyone got that? Everyone gets that? But here's where they don't. Here's where they separate the men from the boys. So as we continue our count, we go 47, 48, 49, 50, which is also the first year same as Pentecost is the first day. And that 50 is then followed by 2, 3, 4. So 47, 48, 49, 50. 2, 3, 4. It is not, it is not 47, 48, 49, 50, 1. It is not followed by 1. We count like this so that from the Sabbath to one sabbatical year to the next is just seven years. In the exact same context, Pentecost Sunday is the 50th day and also it is the first day of the week. If you were to add 50, then1. So we got 49. Everyone's got that right? 49, 50. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 is what they're saying. That means that in here you got an eight-year or eight-day period. And we showed you in Exodus, it's seven, it's seven, it's seven, continually, forever and ever. When you throw 50 in there and then start over with one, you end up with an eight-day or an eight-year period. 
and it just doesn't work. It is because of listeners like you who have had the foresight to both pray for us and financially support this program that have allowed us to continue to teach others who are still looking for these truths. Because you have paid it forward, many are now able to hear this message and to learn these truths about the sabbatical and jubilee cycles along with the magnificent prophecies that reveal which could only be revealed in these very last days. When you support our efforts financially today, we are able to produce more radio and video teachings that help others who are waking up and beginning to look for the God that warned us of these curses that are already happening on the nightly news and of even worse, what is yet to come. You can send your support by going to our support page at www.sidedmoon.com or by mailing checks, bank drafts, or money orders made out to Joseph F. Dumond, P.O. Box 21007 RPO, 151st Street, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada, L9W S30. On behalf of those yet to be called, we thank you for helping us get this end time warning out. <laughs>